Life Matters, a Penn Mutual podcast for financial professionals, bringing you life insurance insights from advanced sales experts and life insurance specialists. Grow a stronger practice today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life Matters, a Penn Mutual podcast. This is a podcast designed for you financial professionals to learn about what's going on in the life insurance industry, some advanced planning concepts, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Today, we're going to feature an interview that I did with Scott McHenry of McHenry Advisors, somebody that I've known for a long time and have a lot of respect for. His firm specializes in things like cash balance plans and profit sharing plans that in many cases utilize life insurance. Now, I've known Scott for about 10 years. I consider him a good friend and somebody that's super knowledgeable in the industry. The first time that we ever met, we were doing a meeting in Louisville, or as the locals would call it, Louisville, or as my wife, who's French, would call it, Louisville. But regardless, we did a meeting there. I thought, wow, this is a guy that really knows his stuff, and our relationship has just grown from there. So, Let's bring on Scott and hear what he had to say. Scott, thank you so much for joining us here today on Life Matters, a Penn Mutual podcast. Thanks, Bill. I'm excited. Thanks for having me today. Very good. So let's get right into it. You founded your company, McHenry Advisors, back in 2006, and you've now grown to be really one of the largest retirement actuarial firms in the country. Tell us a little bit about your company, your firm, and what it is that you do. Sure. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, we are a retirement plan actuarial and third-party administration firm. Um, we service about 2,200 uh, tax-qualified plans, uh, almost all of them for for-profit, closely-held business owners really focused on taking the qualified plan concept, which is a great way to save for retirement and making it more powerful for the closely held or high income business owner. So you're an actuary by trade. Do I have that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. So I think a lot of people are probably don't really know what that means and what the educational background is for somebody like yourself. How did you become an actuary? Is it something that you always wanted to do? And if you think back to Scott McHenry, the college days, did you ever envision yourself being in the position that you're in now? Uh, no, I, I think a lot of a lot of things happen somewhat by accident. I was an accounting major in college, but my first job out of college was for an actuarial third party retirement plan administration firm. So the pivot from accounting to taking actuary exams, becoming a retirement actuary, you know, happened after college, right? Happened in, in my 20s. So you said your first job out of college was with an actuarial firm. What was the path to get from working from somebody else to becoming your own boss? It was a, a mixture of kind of professional and, and personal. My, you know, at the time I was living in Cleveland, my wife's family was in Columbus. So it kind of made sense for us as we were, you know, getting to the point to consider children to, to be somewhat closer to family. And it was also a little bit professional in that, there was a, a law change, EGTRA, which took effect in 2001, 
which dramatically increased what business owners could contribute and deduct towards defined benefit, cash balance, pension plans. So the landscape as far as, you know, potential clients just dramatically grew, right? And and so part of that was, you know, just a, a relocation and the opportunity to start working with uh, TPA firms, closely held business owners to, to set up to find benefit and cash balance plans for them. You basically teed up my next question here. So when I think of McHenry Advisors, I think first and foremost of cash balance plans. Uh, I know that's not all that you do there, but that's what I think of, again, first and foremost. Take a little bit of a unique approach to how you design cash balance plans. How would you say that for your typical client, you approach the design and the implementation of a cash balance plan? And do you use a cookie cutter approach for everybody or is everything very customized depending on what the client's needs are? Yes, without a doubt, everything is is customized that we do, you know, based upon the client's goals and, and objectives, right? I can always show, you know, here's a maximum cash balance plan, the maximum that someone can contribute, right? But that's not always what they want. Oftentimes, they have a, a, a budget, a dollar amount that makes sense for them based upon their cash flow and, and their tax planning, what they're hoping to accomplish. So, Without a doubt, everything is customized specific to to the client as far as when we set the plan up, but but it doesn't end there. We're always tweaking and adjusting plans to make sure that it always accomplishes what the business owner hopes to accomplish in terms of deductible plan contributions. I think that's an important distinction here when we talk about your company versus some others. I know that there's a lot of companies out there that help introduce cash balance plans. And we'll get to the life insurance in a second, but maybe help to position life insurance inside of cash balance plans. But your firm is a soup to nuts type of shop where you help to implement and then you do the administration work, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's important. And, and I've seen things that, that we didn't set up that, that maybe had some issues because there was a disconnect between you know, the parties maybe that were involved in setting the plan up and then the firm that was acting as the plan administrator, right? And and I think, you know, especially if there's a life insurance aspect, it's important for there to be some coordination, right? And some continuity between here's what we hope to accomplish when we set the plan up. Here's our fact pattern today, right? Do we need to make changes? You know, what changes can we make to make sure that that the overall strategy, you know, continues to meet what the the objectives are. So I think what a lot of people think about life insurance inside of pension plans, they think of the traditional split funded defined benefit plans that were really popular kind of when 412 E3 plans maybe became a little less favorable. And I think for really for a long period of time, the traditional split funded plans dominated this marketplace, but there's definitely been a shift to cash balance plans, or at least in my experience, there has been. Why why would somebody gravitate towards a cash balance plan versus a traditional split funded plan? Whether a, a pension plan has life insurance or not, defined benefit and cash balance plans are the same thing in terms of maximum contribution amounts, maximum amount that ultimately can roll over out of a plan to an IRA without tax consequences. The cash balance plans are generally preferable for a couple reasons. It has less volatility 
in terms of, of the lump sum benefit. There's a, in a traditional defined benefit plan, there's a code section that tells us how we convert from a annuity monthly form of benefit into a lump sum, and that's based upon current interest rates, which fluctuate, which introduce a lot of volatility in that lump sum. Cash balance plans are not subject to that code section, so we don't we eliminate some volatility. We also have just a better cost structure in terms of if with a traditional cash balance plan, we're maximizing contributions and benefits for highly compensated employees or business owners. And, you know, trying to come up with a moderate contribution cost for employees. Cash balance plans just have a, a better framework, a better structure, you know, to, to come up with a, a more efficient plan design than traditional defined benefit plans. They can be age neutral for employees, right? So if, if I have two employees that are doing the same job and have the same compensation, I can give them really the same value of a benefit in a cash balance plan. That was always very difficult with a traditional defined benefit plan. And the final aspect is just flexibility. It's a lot easier as an actuary for us to pivot with a cash balance plan design structure than a traditional defined benefit plan, meaning business owners doing well, wants to fund a lot, and then something happens and they want to dial down the funding. That's just a lot easier to do in a cash balance plan than a traditional defined benefit plan. All right. Terrific. So two more kind of foundational questions in regards to cash balance plans, and then we'll get on to a couple of other things. First of all, if one of our listeners is thinking, do I have a client that's a good candidate for a cash balance plan? What would that good client look like? And then second, if a business owner was to implement a cash balance plan, why would they do so? And what are the primary benefits that they could expect? Yeah, the, you know, the good candidate is first and foremost, a, a closely held for-profit business, right? So one business owner, uh, an owner and a spouse, three, four, five partners of a business, right? That can work very well for a pension plan. You know, ideally, they're high income and they want to pay less in current income tax. With a SEP or a 401k plan, someone can contribute sometimes close to 70000 a year. With a defined benefit or cash balance plan, we're generally looking for someone that wants to contribute over $100,000 a year towards a qualified retirement plan. We can build in flexibility. They don't have to commit to funding that amount every single year. The big picture, you want someone high income wants to pay less in current income tax, ideally wants to fund 100000 or more towards a qualified retirement plan program. That said, if, if I look across, across our clients, you know, maybe 30% of our client base are professional service firms of some, some kind, right? Medical, dental, law firms, investment advisory firms. About 30% are what I would call owner-only businesses. So think a individual that has 1099 income that may not have any of their own W-2 employees. So a lot of commercial and residential real estate agents fit that profile. A lot of individuals that may have side or moonlight type income, right? They may be a W-2 employee of a large organization, but separately they have 1099 income for serving on board of directors or some sort of consulting work. They can be great candidates for pension plans. And then the, the balance, you know, the last 40% of our clients are 
closely held or family-owned businesses of all other sorts of industries. So manufacturing, consulting, agriculture-type businesses, provided that their high income want to pay less in current income tax. It helps if there's not too many W-2 employees per business owner. There are exceptions, but as a general rule, if you have 15 or fewer full-time W-2 employees per business owner, a cash balance plan can oftentimes look really, really good, meaning that we can get the lion's share of the contributions going to the targeted group that you want to get receive them. And if a company already has a defined contribution plan, like a profit sharing plan, would they be able to still potentially do a cash balance plan in addition to that plan? Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. These plans are, are compatible. It's not, you know, it's not either or. Oftentimes you can fund both a 401k profit sharing plan and a cash balance plan. And if there are rank and file W-2 employees, you almost always would have a profit sharing plan and a cash balance plan as opposed to a cash balance plan by itself. So I want to revisit something that you talked about earlier, and that's tax deductions. It's tax mulligan season, and that's something that's relatively new. And I don't think that everybody, it really kind of appreciates the power of what that means. So can you ex explain to the audience what tax mulligan season is and why that's so important for business owners that are considering a cash balance or other type of qualified plan. Sure. This was a, a relatively recent law change. Part of the SECURE Act now allows businesses to adopt qualified plans after the end of their tax year, up until the due date of their business tax return, fund a plan and count those contributions as a tax deduction for the, the previous tax year. Before the SECURE Act, we would have to set up a plan by the end of the tax year, you know, for the business to be able to make tax-deductible contributions. So as much as we like business owners to be, you know, proactive with their tax planning, you know, it happens oftentimes where someone gets a surprise, right? They had a good income year. They're sitting down with their CPA who's preparing their tax return, and, and they get an unwelcome surprise, right? There's a, a much higher amount of taxes that they have to pay this year. And so the cash balance plans are, are one of the few things where you can retroactively kind of have a do-over, right? I can say, hey, if I don't adopt a, a cash balance plan, here's what my taxable income and my taxes due will be for 2023. Or I can show you if you adopt a pension plan and fund, you know, 100,000, 200, 300,000 to it, you can dramatically reduce your income taxes for 2023. So it, it's pretty powerful. And, and it's, you know, a, a lot of CPAs know about it now, but, but we still come across, you know, quite a few that, that have no idea, right, that they can um, set up a pension plan, take a tax deduction, even if we're doing it after the end of the tax year. So let me set up this quick scenario. Let's say one of our listeners is a financial professional out there and they're talking to their clients and it's say, let, let's say it's early April, their clients just left their CPA office and they realize they're going to get crushed on their 23 taxes and that they're going to have to write a big check to the IRS. The financial professional could come back to them and say, hey, there might be something that we can do to provide you with pretty significant benefits and still get a deduction for the 2023 tax year. I mean, it sounds like a, a, a winning story. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. It's kind of from the financial professional perspective, 
It's tell your client, hey, pause, right? Don't file your return. Let's look and see if a cash balance plan could work for you. And without a doubt, there's still plenty of time. Um, you know, an S corporation that that does not extend their return, you know, could adopt a plan up until March 15th if they're a calendar year S corp. If they extend their return, we have up until September 15th, right, where we could show what a cash balance plan could look like, make sure the business owner understands it and it's what they want, set it up, and they get a big tax deduction and tax savings you know, for 2023. So we're probably going to be publishing this episode sometime in February. So for all you audience members out there listening to this, keep in mind that as you're having discussions with your business owner clients, as we get close to tax filing season, you have this in your back pocket. So you might be able to be a real hero for a lot of your clients uh, going forward out here. Now, I haven't asked you about life insurance inside of these plans at all. And this is the part where I'm going to do so, because obviously I work for a life insurance company. Do you always put life insurance in a cash balance plan or is it a case by case basis? No, not not always. It's um, what we will always do, uh, assuming someone wants to see it, is we'll show a pension plan with life insurance and show one without. Right. It is an option that someone can include in their plan, but it's not a have to. Right. So going back to making everything customized, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why someone would include life insurance, but it's not an absolute have to. And what type of life insurance are you generally utilizing inside of these plans? Is it whole life? Is it indexed universal life, universal life? Again, does it depend on the individual clients and their circumstances? What types are you generally looking at at McHenry Advisors? All of those that you mentioned. I would look at it, what's, you know, what's the right fit for the business owner client? And based upon that, you can you know fund that type of life insurance inside of a pension plan. So whole life insurance we use you know a lot. We also use you know universal life indexed or or not you know indexed for clients. There are some differences, right? With whole life insurance, sometimes there's a higher level of life insurance funding that you can fit inside of a pension plan than a universal life product but all of them you know can fit very nicely inside of a pension plan and you know i think oftentimes can dramatically improve the qualified plan outcomes for the business owner all right last cash balance plan question and it has to do with life insurance inside of overfunded cash balance plans i know this is kind of a niche that uh, you guys had in fact the first time i ever heard about mckenry advisors it was a case exactly like this if you've got somebody out there that has an overfunded cash balance plan can life insurance help in those situations to maybe get to the point where it's not going to be overfunded going forward? Yes, definitely. We set up a lot of new pension plans that include life insurance. We add life insurance to a lot of existing plans. But certainly if a plan is overfunded, meaning that the value of the assets are more than can be rolled over to an IRA, distributed out of the plan without income and excise tax consequences, then life insurance is definitely something to explore. It can be a way to take the excess assets that would be subject to a very heavy tax burden and turn that into something that provides a lot of value to a business owner and their family. All right, let's change gears here and talk a little bit about profit sharing plans here. So I think a good chunk of our audience is going to be familiar with traditional pension plans and they're going to be familiar with cash balance plans, or they are now at least uh, after listening to you. 
But I think that profit sharing plans and the utilization of season money might still be new for a lot of people out there. First of all, can you give just a 10,000 foot overview explanation of what season money is and why it's unique to profit sharing plans? Yes, in a defined benefit or cash balance plan, the amount of funding going into a life insurance policy or alternatively, uh, the death benefit paid out of the plan has to be what Congress, IRS have called incidental to the retirement benefit. And and there's limits that we can calculate. So big picture, there's a limit on how much life insurance I can fund inside of a pension plan. Inside of a profit sharing plan, if I have an, an account balance that can be distributed out of the plan, then that is not subject to the incidental benefit limits, right? So I can use more of my account balance in in a profit sharing plan if I meet certain criteria to fund life insurance. So where we have kind of, you know, this has come up is, you know, I've had a lot of clients over the years that have been business owners that funded a lot into qualified plans, right? As they should. But then at some point in time, they become high net worth, right? And they start looking at the income tax consequences on the back end of, of a very, you know, large qualified plan account balance. And so the the concept of using life insurance to, you know, to take some of that large account balance is going to be subject to a lot of income and probably even estate taxes on the back end and convert it into something that can be income tax free and potentially even outside the taxable estate, you know, if it is funded inside the qualified plan and ultimately moved into a grant or trust. So is there a limitation on how much of that season money could be used towards life insurance premiums? I know you said it's not subject to the incidental benefit test, but I mean, could you theoretically use every dime of season money towards life insurance premiums? You could. So season money is anything that can be distributed out of a profit sharing plan, meaning all assets over age 59 and a half, assuming the plan document is written appropriately, anything that is rolled over into a plan. And then certain types of company contributions after a two-year period. All right. So this is a scenario that I see quite often, but I think a lot of people get confused about this. So let's say that we have somebody that was a business owner or an executive. They had money that was originally in a qualified plan that was sponsored by their, their personal business or their employer. It's been rolled into an IRA. They're stu- they still have a business, either they're a consultant or whatever that may be, and they don't need the IRA for retirement income. They're now in that high net worth status. They really need life insurance for other purposes. Is there a way that potentially utilize that IRA and use that towards the purchase of life insurance? Because we know that you can't buy life insurance inside of an IRA. It's an impermissible asset, but maybe there's something that we can do in regards to these season money rules to buy the life insurance that the client needs. Sure. So assuming that they have an IRA and assuming that they still have an ongoing business that can sponsor a qualified plan, they can roll that IRA into the qualified plan and can use it as a source of funding to buy life insurance, funding it inside the the qualified profit sharing plan. Is there a time that they would have to wait? Like, let's say that I'm a business owner and I have an IRA balance. Again, I don't need it for retirement. And I know know I need life insurance for wealth transfer purposes. And so I take that IRA, I roll it into a profit sharing plan. 
do I have to wait another two years or can I basically start to acquire the life insurance I need immediately? No, it's my opinion that it's available immediately because anything I roll over into a plan, I am avail it's available for me to to turn around and take as a distribution out of the plan. That fact pattern makes that season money available to fund life insurance immediately inside the qualified plan. And obviously, we want to leave that up to the clients and their tax advisor to make the ultimate determination. But I think that that's pretty much the the way that the industry looks at it as a whole. Is there a difference in policy design or structure when you're talking about life insurance inside of a profit sharing plan using season money versus the life insurance in the cash balance plans that we talked about a little bit earlier? Yes, Bill. I mean, I, I think it goes back to customization, right? Because in a pension plan, there's a limit on how much I can fund into a policy, right? And and so oftentimes we'll show a policy that's very heavily funded for a period of years, right? And, and depending upon if it's whole life or index universal life, you know, maybe that's five, six or seven years, right? And then assume that the policy is not funded thereafter. In a profit sharing plan, we can certainly take that approach, right? But we don't necessarily have to, right? There are occasions where we'll still overfund a, a policy. There's occasions where it can be funded inside of a qualified plan and, and continue to be funded at some point in time when it's repositioned out of the plan. You know, there's policies where maybe it's more minimally funded, you know, with the kind of asset relocation, right? Maybe maybe there's occasions where it makes more sense to minimally fund a policy and, and with the idea that it's just going to be funded over a very long period of time. So I think that really just goes back to, we're not looking at this in a vacuum, right? That we're going to customize it based upon whatever the client's goals are. And sometimes we're going to, you know, look from a 10,000 foot view, right? Knowing that the qualified plan is just one asset, right? How can we best um, you know, fund that asset inside the qualified plan, you know, what's the long-term strategy with it? That was a little nice full circle there. Okay. One last substantive question for you, and then I'll let you go. We're sitting here. It's mid-January right now. Uh, so the audience can peek behind the curtain a little bit. We're very much in the comment period on the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule that they put forward here at the end of 2023. It's very possible that by the time that people listen to this, they could implement the fiduciary rule. We'll see how that goes going forward. Is that going to have a major impact on the work that you do at McHenry Advisors? I have you already put processes in place to make sure that it's not going to be a major interruption to your business. How are you kind of reacting to this potential fiduciary rule? Yes, I mean, it's something that we're interested in. I like to sometimes take a wait and see approach, right? Because I've seen lots of proposals that don't go anywhere. But that said, I don't think it's dramatically going to change my business. I don't think it's going to change the business of financial advisors that we partner with and work with. And it definitely is not going to change the, you know, ability of business owners to certainly adopt pension plans and fund life insurance as a component of it, do the same thing in, in profit sharing plans. I mean, it may change what I, as a service provider, you know, as a producer, have to to maybe document and, and obtain from from clients. But we already, you know, obtain a lot of information sometimes for for broker dealer related purposes if we're doing a variable policy, 
So big picture, I'm not that concerned. I, you know, I, I think these are great strategies that, that can help business owners currently with taxes, you know, and also fund some assets that can provide some tax benefits on the back end. Whether we have to do a little bit more due diligence and documentation on the front end, I think that's great, right? That just makes us know more about our clients, which we should know more about them anyways. All right. That's a terrific perspective on it. So if one of our listeners thinks they have a good candidate for a cash balance plan or a profit sharing plan with life insurance, what's the best way to reach out to you and your firm, Scott? Sure. Uh, so we have a website, McHenryAdvisors.com, uh, email info at McHenryAdvisors.com or, or give us a call. Um, you know, we, we'd love uh, the opportunity to, to work with financial advisors and, and show them what's possible for their clients. Terrific. And a reminder for the listeners, if you're a financial professional and you want more information from a Penn Mutual perspective, you're certainly welcome to reach out to your regional marketing director, uh, your, your firm lead, or the advanced sales department. We're definitely there to help. We have an expertise in regards to life insurance inside of qualified plans. Uh, so we, we look forward to working with many of you on cases here in 2024 and beyond. So with that, Scott, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us here today on Life Matters, a Penn Mutual podcast. Uh, I always learn a lot listening to you, and I hope that our audience did as well. So again, thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you today. I'd like to, again, thank Scott for taking time out of his crazy busy schedule for joining us here today on Life Matters, a Penn Mutual podcast. Scott's just a great guy, and I always learn a whole lot from him. A couple of quick housekeeping items before we go. If you have a question for me or for Scott or anybody else associated with the podcast, you could drop us an email to lifematters at penmutual.com. That's a special email inbox that only I and a couple of other people have access to, and we do respond to every email that we get to that mailbox. Again, that's lifematters at penmutual.com. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe or follow the show on your favorite podcasting app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is that you use. Subscribing makes sure that you do not miss the newest episodes of the show. Also, if you are using Apple Podcasting, we would really appreciate it if you took a couple of minutes and left us a nice review. Reviews actually help with our algorithmic overlords to boost visibility of the show out there. So again, if you'll leave us a nice review, I would really appreciate it. So for Scott McHenry, I'm Bill Bell. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And I look forward to talking to you again soon.